We wish you a Merry Wizards Christmas and what is likely Kirk Cousins' last home game in Burgundy and Gold on Christmas Eve. Thanks for checking out the DMV Sports Roundtable with Jamal and Dimitri and our special guest, Brian Albin, host of Wizards Radio 24-7. And guys, not to speak for everybody, I would have one New Year's wish for the Redskins to field a competitive team that can stay healthy next year. But much more immediately, Brian, a deep Wizards playoff run. How much of our hope should we pin on something like that? So, uh, I think where I would start off is just by saying nobody, whatever your expectations were coming into this year, nothing has happened through 31 games that should leave you any reason to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't played to the best of their ability. Uh, they should probably be about three, four games better right now. They dropped a game in L.A. against the Lakers when they had a 10-point fourth quarter lead. They lost at home to the Suns and Mavericks, two of the worst teams in the Western Conference. Uh, they they have a problem with not always showing up when they don't uh, necessarily perceive the opponent to be of the caliber right. that they are, uh, which is not necessarily a good thing. But we haven't seen anything drastic in either way that makes me think, you know, if you thought this team could make the Eastern Conference Finals coming in, you should still have that belief. Boston got off to a great start. But the, we're starting to see the loss of Gordon Hayward in the season openers catching up to them. They've dropped five out of their last nine. Uh, teams are starting to catch on to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and some of the lack of depth the Celtics have is being exposed. The Cavs, they're still the team to beat. Um, but that doesn't, you know, you can potentially avoid them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, no reason to panic necessarily, uh, but it the same time plenty of reason not to be pleased by a 17-14 record so far yeah i agree they tend to play down to the competition um you know and as usual like they've done in the past they tend not to be able to hold on to leads i know basketball is a game of runs and each team is going to have their run but when you're up double digits you're up 22 you should be able to hold on to that and, and sustain that. The team should not come back. I think it was the Pelicans. They came back and tied up at halftime, and they're up 22 in the, in the second quarter. It, that should never happen. And not to say that they're playing down to the Pelicans because you're playing two of the best bigs in, in the league right now with Cousins and, uh, and Anthony Davis. So, to me, that's not playing down, but the other losses that they have, they definitely played down to the comp- Brooklyn is another one that they pr- played down to the competition. Brooklyn is not as terrible as they once were, but they're not good. So I don't. It, they'll work it out eventually. Um, Otto was out right now. John was out. I think that was actually beneficial that he went out early because you saw all of a sudden the rise in Sadoransky. Mm-hmm. Ubre was able to get more minutes, and when now John coming back and he implements himself back into this team into the offense, those guys they got more confidence in Sado. And now Sado can play alongside Wall because Brooks has him playing not just point guard; he's got him in a few different positions. Ubre seems like he's got a lot more confidence. Frazier got some minutes because he seemed very tentative when he first got here in the beginning of the season. Like somebody told him, son, don't shoot the ball because he didn't shoot anything. And Tim Frazier is capable of scoring the basketball. But I think he got a little more confidence for starting for John during that time. But back to your point. Yeah, I think this team's fine in, you know, on that course to make a run. But everything has to come together. The second unit is getting better. But if you have your big three all have a big game at the same time. I don't think they've had that yet. 
Wall and Beal have had their, their time, but you haven't had a game with Wall, Beal, and Porter, who, by the way, has definitely, to me, earned his money. I was very skeptical about giving him that much money. He's definitely earned and he stepped up. But all three come together during a series game. I don't think there's too many teams outside of maybe Cleveland, Golden State, Houston, that can, that can, that can play with them. Yeah, and, and I am going to touch on a few of the things you just brought up, and I'm actually going to you know do a little shameless plug in here while we're at it, <laughs> but I got to direct people to Wizards Radio 24-7 because I uh, just did a piece Monday, called it State of the Wizards. It was essentially a look through, we're now 30 games deep, mm-hmm. so we have a decent enough sample size to compare where this team is to where they were last year, and last year they got off to the slower start. Um, and then got super hot in January when they went on uh, from January up until the All-Star break, they went 18-3. and three. And that sort of led them into the second half of the season to a top four seed. But I looked at a bunch of different things and a few of the things that I found interesting, a lot more games lost to injury so far this year through 30 games. Wall's been out 11. Hmm. Markeith Morris has missed, I believe, eight was the number. Otto Porter's missed three. Uh, So they've only had 10 out of their 31 games so far this year where the whole starting five has played together. Um, And where that has shown up in a big way is the net efficiency of those starters. Their starting unit last year was one of the best three in the NBA. Uh, Per 100 possessions, their starting lineup would beat the opposition by nine points. That's that's huge. That's Golden State level. That's, you know, Houston level. Uh, This year, that number is down to just one point four. And what that to me shows is you need to play a lot together to have that cohesion. And because you have all these parts moving in and out of the lineup so far, I think that has shown up and the starters haven't really caught on yet. The two other interesting numbers that I found, defensive efficiency much better this year than it was a year ago. Uh, Last year, they were 21st in the league in defensive efficiency. Right now, they're top 10. And I think that's a key. I think that was something that got lost last year when they tried to move to more Mm up-tempo. They've kept the pace right about where it was a year ago, but now they're playing better defense within that pace. And I think that is what the... I think the philosophical foundation of this team for them to be the best they can be needs to be defensive-minded, defensive-oriented, which means, you know, we're going to... Force, they're the number one team right now in three-point defense, which is huge. Yeah. If you can guard the three-point line, force misses from the three-point line, that can lead to long rebounds, and the asset of this Wizards team offensively should be transition. Right. Because you have three young bucks in John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, who can fly when Kelly Oubre is in the game. Mm-hmm. He can fly down the court. And Marching Gortat is underrated as a rim-running right. center. Um, so the defensive identity seems to be showing up this year, and I think that is going to be paramount to their success. And finally, the third number from State of the Wizards that I found to be interesting, the bench efficiency, so much better this mm-hmm. year. The bench was the crutch last year. Uh, they were losing by like four points, I believe it was, every 100 possessions. Right now they're in the positive, so they're not even just holding their ground when they're in their game, which was all this team needed last year. They're now actually beating opposition bench units. And Mike Scott's obviously been a huge I part gonna, of that. I was going to say that, yeah. Um, but Kelly Oubre, 
mm-hmm. coming off the benches. He's doubled his scoring figure from a year ago, and he's scoring almost 12 off the bench, shooting just under 40% from three, which is mm-hmm. way above his career average. So there's a lot of trends that are moving in the positive direction, I think, for this team to make another run like they did last January yeah. and win something like 15 out of 20, 16 out of 20 coming up. Uh, I think it's just going to be a matter of once everybody's healthy all at once, that's when that's going to happen. I agree completely. Um, that stat about guarding the three-point line is, is very surprising because that's always been an issue. Not even just you know Scott Brooks' teams. You know, in, in the past, this team has not defended the three-point line very well at all. And when teams are hot, you know, in the NBA in basketball period, you live by the three, you die by the three. But some teams are just good at shooting threes. And if they get on a hot streak, the Wizards tend to get blown out of the gym because if the team is starting to shoot, they never get out there. Now, I don't think looking at them this year, I haven't necessarily noticed that they've done that much of a better job. But if those are the stats, then... You know, maybe, you know, I'm not seeing what it is, but if that's where they are, then I'm glad. Because last year, you know, when they start off last year, whenever Brooks came in, they were going to be defensive-minded. They're going to be tough-nosed defensive team, and I just didn't see it. And it was never there on a consistent basis. Every now and then, you would see flashes of it. Like when they played Golden State last year, they played a very good defensive game. And then it would just fall apart. I don't I don't know if it was a mental thing or they just didn't have the mindset but they are much more improved. And in terms of the bench, Mike Scott has been unconscious for the last couple. He's been lights out. He looks like Mike Scott of old, before all the legal trouble or whatever he had in Atlanta. He looks like Mike Scott from two to three years ago, and he is scoring the basketball. And that makes all the difference for this bench unit, who, when you look at it, outside of those three, it's not much there. You pay Mahimi all this money, and I, you know, kept giving him the benefit of the doubt. Now I'm kind of like, hey, come on, man. You got $64, $68 million. Let's do something with it. You're healthy. He seems to have, you know, lost some weight or, whatever, or trimmed down or whatever that is. But it's not really translating into him being the rim protector that he was brought in here to be, the rebounder, even though he he has his games. But – for as much money as he's getting paid, I'm not seeing the return on that at all. Yeah, I mean, look, I think with Jan Mahinmi, I think the injury to start last year really affected his confidence. Mm. Um, and I think it showed up more on the offensive end last year. And he's still not really, I don't think, 100%. I think he's still battling some leg stuff on and off. And yeah, at some point in time, they're going to need yeah. to see him step up. But at the end of the day, they also seem to be coming up with contingency plans to not necessarily move on from Jan Mahimi, but move on from him playing. They have enough lineups right now where I feel like they can still succeed. Uh, And I think one of the things you're going to see from this Wizards team, if they're going to be successful moving forward, is they're just going to have to play smaller uh, because... They have a death lineup, and I don't think it gets talked about enough. Everybody talks about the death lineup in Golden State where you move Iguodala into the lineup, mm-hmm. put him with Draymond Durant, essentially play interchangeable center I with I think Stephen I know where Clark. you're going with this. John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, Marching Gortat a year ago in mm-hmm. 200 minutes on the court together were a plus 17.8 points per 100 possessions, which is astounding. Like that, That's incredible. 
This year, they got a lot of extended run together when Markeith Morris was hurt at the beginning of the year. And already in 162 minutes together this year, they're up now to nearly a plus 22 per 100 possessions. So when those five guys are on the court together, they are killing teams. And realistically, I think you're going to see more small ball combinations as this year goes on, whether it means even going all the way small sometimes and playing Markeith Morris at the five, whether you maybe try lineups with Morris and Scott acting as the two bigs and you just have five shooters on the court at all times. I think realistically, as we get closer to the playoff picture, you're going to see this team go small more often. I'm, I'm with free Jason Smith. I don't know why Brooks <laughs> goes with these stretches where he just keeps him and begin the season. He just keeps him locked up on the bench. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, well, go ahead and play, Jason. I don't get that. If you, and, and to your point about small lineups, if you're going to talk about putting somebody at the five that can stretch the floor, Jason Smith fits that perfectly. He can step out and shoot a three. He's, he's adept at shooting the 15-foot jumpers. He's got a mid-range game. He can bring that big out off the block and free up space for the guards to drive to the to the basket and create opportunities. But I, Jason Smith has got to get more playing time. But let me ask you this. Mike Scott is starting to get this is a little bit more minutes than Markeith. Ernie always wants to make a deal. And at some point in time, there were rumblings of him. You know, uh, they were interested in DeAndre Jordan. Boogie Cousins, every time he comes to town, is all anybody wants to talk about. They don't have a lot of assets in terms of picks, in terms of pieces on the bench that you will want to get rid of. You want to keep Oubre. You want to keep Sadoransky. But I believe Markeith is on, is it the last He's year got of his contract? Two, I think year and a half left on okay. his contract. Which is a relatively cheap contract because that's the one that uh, he got swindled on by Phoenix who told him, we won't trade your brother, yes. but sign for this deal. Yes, he signed, signed for the value of one of them. <laughs> exactly. He signed it and they subsequently traded his brother anyway. At this point, does he become part of a trade package that could be put together to bring in whether it's DeAndre Jordan or Cousins or whoever, because they have very limited pieces. Put him with, you have to unload either Mahinmi or Gortat because Grunfeld has put us in a situation cap-wise that going forward, there's no, not a whole lot of wiggle room with what they have right now. They're going to have to unload one of those contracts. So could you envision them putting Markeith... Uh, either Jan or Gortat and some picks together to be able to, you know, trade for some of these big name guys. So I would need to, again, remember the exact financials of DeAndre Jordan's deal. I want to say he's making somewhere in the $22 million per year. And he's in his last, he will be a free agent. So he was, he's a rental. Just like Bogdanovich was last year. Not necessarily a rental because you will have his bird rights. So you'll be able to go over the cap to re-sign him. But that would mean a significant luxury tax bill Long term, and considering the amount you would have invested and in he's John, thirty years old. Yes. Um, look, I think DeAndre Jordan would be a good fit on this team, mm-hmm. especially in terms of the mindset of ex- just you want to be a defensive identity transition team. He right. fits into that very well. Um, a trade would be very difficult, though, because yeah, I think mathematically, if you were going to try to trade. For marching or for DeAndre Jordan, it's going to mean Marching Gortat, mm-hmm. Markeith Morris, and 
first round pick right or you know you find some type of combination i mean the sweetener for the clippers to give away deandre yeah. jordan is a first round pick it's that and i don't i don't necessarily think that ernie would be opposed to doing that cuz he doesn't seem you know what him getting rid of first round picks is fine with me cuz he'll find a way to jack them up anyway so i don't have a lot of confidence in him doing anything with the first round pick in the first place if he trades it away, fine. He traded it away last year to get Bogdanovich, who, you know, he came out hot first couple games and disappeared and had a game here and there, and now he's gone. He's in Indiana. So the one thing I would jump in on there with that is he didn't just trade the first-round pick to get Bogdanovich. He also mm. had to trade the first-round pick to get rid of Andrew Nicholson. Right. Um, right. And getting rid of Andrew Nicholson – was vital in terms of I mean freeing you were clear, up some space. freeing up some space so that when you went after when you tried to extend Otto Porter yeah uh, they were you know you were at least making it possible that you would uh, avoid going into the luxury tax yeah and you know what but that follows right along with with Ernie's usual cleaning up his own messes sort of thing that when he makes these trades and makes these deals he does it because he has to clean up giving Nicholson that horrible contract that he probably should have gotten in the first place. So to get rid of that mistake, you've got to trade away this first rounder to try to get something for the team and move that mistake on to somebody else. That seems to be his routine. But, you know, as you can tell, I'm not a huge fan of <laughs> Ernie Grunfeld. Well, yeah, look, look, I can in no way, shape, or form defend the philosophy in which in the 2016 offseason, we saw the Wizards spend all their cap room on centers. Yeah. It, you know, it would have been one thing if you just signed Jan Mahinmi, and that mm. hasn't worked out so far. But you know what? That happens. Yeah. Uh, the market rate that they paid him at the time, if you were getting a healthy Jan Mahinmi, yeah. wasn't crazy. It's sure a little more than makes yeah. people comfortable. But look, we saw general managers across the NBA essentially mishandle the cap spike. Yeah, admit Mozgov got the same amount of money, and Mozgov did absolutely nothing in LA, and now he's doing absolutely nothing in Brooklyn. So I, I understand that. You There's know, plenty that of role was, players who got more money right. than they should Nicholson have been that was, you know, Nicholson was one of them. There's a bunch of them. And at that time, that was just the cost of doing business. So I, I understand, you know, that part last year, but you know, he's not the only one that mismanaged it. I'm just looking at his whole track record. But let me ask you this Ernie's been here for a very long time. Do you see this team being able to come out of the East and make a run in the finals with Ernie Grunfeld as GM? That's an interesting question. I, look, I don't know if it's necessarily exclusive to Ernie, but I mm. do think that this team, I do think this, this team, if everything went right this year, could get there now. Okay. I mean, I think if we're following the sort of the trajectory of the Wizards over the past few seasons, it sort of just tells the novel of in the NBA how much of it comes down to chance and circumstance and luck. I mean, mm -hmm. if you went back to the 2015 playoffs, I would argue that the Wizards that season were just a couple teeny breaks flipping the other way from going to the NBA finals that year yeah. because... John Wall doesn't break his wrist right. against Atlanta. Right. I think everybody felt that they win that series they if they have a healthy John have. Wall. Well, you look at what happened in the other series. Cleveland was down 2-1 and found a way to come back from 11 down in the fourth quarter with like seven minutes to go in Chicago mm -hmm. on a LeBron James fadeaway right. corner three at the buzzer. If Chicago had held on to that game and gone up 3-1... 
maybe Chicago wins that series. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the Bulls could have been playing the Wizards in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Wizards had dominated the Bulls over that stretch. So, you know, it's the what-if game. But at the same time, it just shows you how a couple things go the other way. Mm -hmm. We can look at history so much differently. Um, And so you look at then what happened a year ago, and you look at the Wizards and you say, man, if John Wall wasn't coming off of double knee surgery and was healthy right from the beginning of the season, they don't start 2-8. and They probably get off to a better start. Maybe they're the one seed Mm -hmm. playing game seven against Boston at home. And so it's all these little things. I think they're so close right now to, I think this team is more than capable of going to the Eastern conference finals this year. And then once you're there, it's just a matter of, do you get lucky or do you find a way to win? I don't think they would beat Cleveland if both teams are a hundred percent in a series. I think they'd probably lose in something like six, but say Kevin Love gets hurt or Mm -hmm. say, I'm not even going to say LeBron gets hurt because he's, He's not human. He doesn't <laughs> get hurt. Indestructible. Yes, he he is a robot sent from another planet to teach us how beautiful basketball <laughs> can look. Um, uh, and they're I, they're also adding Isaiah Thomas to the mix. You know, so I don't you don't know what that's going to look like going forward. Yeah, like does it, that chemistry that, go wrong? Does it does it work? Are they cohesive, or does it make them just that much more dominant over everybody else? It, it could go either way with that. But I guess to take it back to the Ernie part of things. I think what you just hope to see from this team, they built this team to grow together. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it would be in the best interest, in my opinion, for them to make any rash moves trying to, you know, find a way to get a little like everybody always brings up DeMarcus Cousins. I was about to say that. Yeah. And number one, I don't see a path to getting DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. Uh, But number two, I would worry about bringing in DeMarcus Cousins. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of John Wall and Bradley Beal being the two alphas together Mm -hmm. and Otto Porter being a max level sidekick. Mm -hmm. Because the one thing that's great about Otto Porter essentially being the third wheel in this Wizards Big Three, he doesn't have any semblance of an ego. He doesn't need the ball. No. He is more than content to and you know what, do he, all the he dirty never work. has. Even at Georgetown, when he was the star. The, the star, he was the top dog. He never. He was always happy to defer to his teammates and make make it a team win. He never went above and beyond to chuck up 30, 40 shots or try to get his numbers. He never went outside of his game. You know, in order to try to put things on his shoulders artificially, you know, but he always played within the confines of the system and, you know, he flourished through that. So, no, he's never had uh, nothing that I can tell to have an ego. And if anything would make you have an ego, it's a hundred million dollar contract. So he still doesn't have one after getting the money. And that's really hard to find. It's not easy to find that third guy who you can pay max level money, tell him he is worth a maximum contract. And yet he's fine if he only takes five shots in a game. I mean, you look at what's going on in OKC right now Uh, with the Thunder. They brought three alphas together, Mm -hmm. three max level players together, and they're struggling to figure that out. And you can't just bring in names. You know, people always, fans especially, like to just throw big names together and all of a sudden, boom, you got a super team. It doesn't work that way. Everyone has to be cohesive as a unit together 
and be able to play with one another, you can have three guys that need the ball. And you know what? And it's not on Russell. Russell has done everything he can do to try to get those two involved. I don't know exactly what the problem is. If Metal needs to come off the bench or or what it is with, with Paul George, he needs to work off the ball more. I'm not sure what the issue is. But Russell has taken less shots. He's tried to distribute the ball more. It's not a matter of Russell Westbrook saying, this is my team, everything goes through me, which he could. He's a reigning MVP. He can say that all he wants to. But he has tried to, it seems like he's tried to make those two more comfortable and try to get them acclimated into the offense. But for some reason, it's not working. In Houston, it's working magically. And I didn't think it it, it could Especially with D'Antoni running the team. This team's actually playing defense, and you've got Harden distributing the ball. Now Paul is back, and, you know, they went on, what, a 14-15 game win streak. So, you know, people didn't think those two were going to be able to work together. It's working beautifully. Basketball is a game, in my opinion, that is most about do you know your identity Mm -hmm. and do you stick to your identity and do you execute your identity? Right. And that's how you have to build a team. That's how you have to coach a team. That's how you have to approach every single day. And that's why, you know, I enjoy watching the Warriors so much because they have an organizational identity and it goes all the way down to what they do Every single game. The Spurs, mm-hmm. of course, are the yeah. found, you know, they're the fundamental. They're the team that set up right. the, the institution. Look at the Utah Jazz. They are a team who knows exactly who they are mm-hmm. and they never differ from that. And you look at them this year, they've been battling through injuries. They lost Gordon Hayward. They're going to hang around in that Western Conference playoff picture, though, because they know exactly who they are and they stick to it and yeah. they do it well. And that's why, to me, if I'm the Wizards, I would like to see more of what I've seen from them on the defensive end continue to build through, hey, we're going to be a team that has the athletes Mm -hmm. to lock you down on the perimeter. We're going to make it really tough to score on the perimeter. You might get some stuff at the rim against us because we don't have that level of rim protection, but you're going to have to work hard to get there. And we're going to take away the three-point line from you, try and force you into some mid-range jumpers. And whenever we force a turnover, whenever we grab a miss, we're running running. and we're killing you within six seconds on the other end. So I think that, you know, this team can go to that next level, can take that next step. They just have to stick to their identity and keep uh, keep at it each day. Offense to defense is it seems to be what they should be about transition and just run and gun basically Memphis not this year but in past years with Tony Allen and and Zebo and, and and those guys they were gritty deep we're not going to outscore it you, was grit and grind but we're going to lock you up and we're going to slow down the pace of this game it's going to be ugly but you come in here thinking you're going to put up 100 is not happening and I don't think it's a coincidence that you took Zach Randolph Tony uh, Tony Allen out of that locker room some of the guys right. some of the cornerstones of grit and grind and they've fallen apart this year and yeah. they are down you know they're going to be picking picking real high and Connolly's injuries do not help never when, helps, when yes. you're playing him that much money I was going to throw in uh, something that's hardly X's and O's, but uh, John Wall giving all his teammates very expensive Rolex watches. <laughs> you know what? Where, that, where does that fit in the pantheon of DC be, sports figures? But that used to know, be giving, the standard. Yeah. 
Because uh, like Alfred Morris once gave his teammates, I think, uh, homemade brownies in Ziploc bags. Which, well, that's Alfred Morris. Which delicious, but uh, but not of great value, perhaps. Still of great sentimental value. Alfred, Alfred Morris and John Wall are working on different uh, <laughs> different bank account balances. Yeah. And yeah. Alfred Morris is just not that kind of guy. Right. No, no, I, you know, I'm not, I didn't George, mean to turn you, this about Al- no, By the no, way, George no. Wallace has walked in. Just I don't as have Rolexes for anybody. <laughs> Even for yourself. Yeah. But back in, in you know, in, in football, back in the day, it is very common for the quarterback to buy this offensive line watches or, or mm-hmm. get them some sort of gift or whatever. Brady does it. I think almost every quarterback during the 80s and 90s did it. Mark so, Rippon did it in 91 when they didn't when he was sacked only what seven times all yeah, year or whatever. And, and there was no social media then. So, right. you know, unless you read it in the paper or heard about it, then most people don't know about that, but that was a very common practice. Now, you know, it's on IG, Snapchat and Well, look, you when know, you sign a $202 million extension and max contract, yeah, you can you buy will. Rolex, $640,000 Rolexes. You can do that. You know, you can Splurge a little bit. Let your players know. Dimitri, hey, you want I, my I wrist size for the? Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, you you hope it's a good reflection of leadership, and yeah. hopefully, yeah. you know, showing that he wants to be the leader of the team. He needs to be the leader of the team. I'm sure while they all appreciate the Rolexes, I think the bigger sign of leadership is does John Wall set that defensive tone every single night? Yeah, I mean that's that's the leadership they need from John Wall. They need John Wall. He's so athletic, and he is so quick, and he's so long for a point guard. Mm. He stands so much taller than the point guards that he's covering every single night that you need him to be just such a disruptive force. I mean, the the way that you look at it, the way you typically coach basketball, if you can cut the head off the snake, which is the point guard of Mm. an offense, if you can force him to start running the offense from... 28 feet, 38, uh, 30 feet from the basket instead of just being able to walk into his sets mm-hmm. relaxed, not feeling any ball pressure, you're going to make that 48 minutes just miserable for him. And that's the type of tone that John Wall can set. And when he does that, which he does do some nights and mm-hmm. some nights he doesn't, that's life in the NBA. Uh, but when he does set that defensive tone, this team is very tough to beat. Yeah, he's got to be the tone setter because Beal. And he, he knows that. He's, he's, he does know yeah. that. And he, he does that to the best of his ability. I wish that Bill would kind of take that a little bit also. Because we all know that Bill can, you know, be fashionably late to the party sometimes. You know, he'll come in and you won't hear from Bill for maybe a whole half. In the third quarter, he's got 25. Yeah. You know, where was that, Mr. Bill? Can you do that from the first, you know, from the first opening tip? Because if John doesn't have it, then he's got to be the one to step up, you know, as as that next alpha male. But I've seen nights where neither one of them had it. But Porter, Otto was the one that I can't remember who they were playing, but Otto ripped off like, you know, eight points in a row. And he was the only points that they had because the rest of the team was sleepwalking right. in, the beginning, in the first quarter. So you have that. But if John doesn't have it, Beal's got to have it. And, you know, Otto is, is the third guy there. But... I would love to see uh, Bill sort of have that same energy he brings later on in the game, start the party off a little bit earlier. 
Should we uh, bring up uh, Mr. LeVar Ball and his oh, idea oh, yeah. now? You know, because you guys are talking about the NBA. Yeah. He's bringing, uh, I guess, what he thinks is going to be a new I NBA. We going to go skins before uh, George walks out of the studio. Again. Well, no, no. Just, just real quick. He wants to launch a professional league specifically geared toward recruiting top high school players who, as he puts it, don't want to make a pit stop at a college. And he says he would pay them between three grand and ten grand a month to fill eight that, teams. Because of who, who it is, I don't want to give him any more more of a platform than he's already been given. But it does raise a lot of issues about the NCAA. Are they crooked? Yes. We all know this. Who's going to coach these teams? I don't know Rick, who's going to. AAU Rick, Rick, coaches. Rick Patino? LeVar. LeVar is going to coach all the teams, and they're all going to quit by halftime. They're going to be a bunch of AAU coach teams. See, the problem I have with this, you know, I get that, you know, not – Everybody is going to reap the benefits from going to college. Okay, that's not for everybody. I understand what he's doing in terms of, you know, trying to pay players because that's that whole argument of do you pay players to play? The schools are making this much money off the images and jerseys and and, and, and money off millions off of these players that they don't see a dime. Some of them can't even, you know, go buy a slice of pizza. That's why you see a lot of, you go to a lot of campuses, you can tell who the athletes are because they all have on school gear. They don't have on regular clothes all the time. They got on the athletic gear that they give them because some of them don't have the money to go out there and get clothes like that. And they're not getting any stipends or anything like that from the school. Now you're having kids just take college out of the equation, period. And then when you do that, you take away, I think he's setting them up for failure. I know this is a roundabout way that I'm saying this. Because when you go to college, no matter if you think you're going to be a one and done or whatever, you have the opportunity to start a degree. And if you go to the NBA, you can go back and finish. You have the opportunity to have something to fall back on. What he is doing now and what he has done with his two youngest sons is put them on a one track to just play basketball with no other options left to fall back on if that doesn't pan out now for them it's different they'll be fine either way because they have big baller brand money they got big brother in the nba they'll be fine there are a lot of other kids that do not have their financial background or have that type of money in the family to be able to fall back on that a lot of these kids that will jump at the chance of playing this league are those that need to provide provide for their families now and they're in a situation where family needs help right now, and they will go out and try to get that money. But if they break something, they tear an ACL, they blow their knee out, something goes wrong, and all they're left with is a high school diploma and no opportunity to get into college or maybe didn't have what it took to get into college without an athletic scholarship, now that's gone. I just hope the NBA essentially beats him to the punch on this. Hmm. The NBA has been talking about changing their one-and-done rule for the past couple years now. They haven't actually done it yet. But I, I, I think there's a pretty simple solution here, which is... I think it's better for the NBA to have guys coming into the league who are 20, 21, have spent a couple years out of high school developing. Now, the argument uh, from the Mark Cubans of the world who want to see the one-and-done rule abolished is they're saying, hey, look, we are professional teams. We have the best facilities. We, have the, we can have you practicing eight hours a day if we want to. We don't have time restrictions like the NCAA is. Let's get the people into our programs quicker so that we're training them the way we want to train them as opposed to them wasting a year in college. 
I think the easy answer to this is the NBA continues to invest in the G League and they want to build, you know, the G League is starting to get more avenues to make revenue. There's more money coming in. DC now will have a G League team in a year. Basically, every franchise is going to have a team. Raise the age limit to the NBA like the NFL to 21 years, but make it where there's a draft. If 18-year-olds don't want to go to college out of high school and want to start making some money playing professional basketball, they can enter the G League draft. And then once they're 21 years old and they've played in G League systems for a few years, they can re-enter the NBA draft. I mean, it just seems like an easier way to go about this. Kids who want to be in college can be in college Kids who just want to start making the money playing ball can play ball, but we don't need LeVar Ball being the one setting this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, if they're making more money in the G League, also that'll you know kind of because three thousand to ten thousand revenues. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I hope so. They're starting to get some TV. You know, you can you can watch G League games on ESPNU now. You can, and which it, you but didn't it, used that to be hard able to, to do. It, I, it's hard for me to watch games when nobody's there. You know what I mean? Have you watched one of these games before? The G League? I've not watched the G League game. I've I've tried to. I've attempted. But it's very hard to watch in these very small, almost high school-like gyms when there's about 20 people in the stands. And it's... I'd rather just turn it up. You need the crowd. I need something. I, I think the one area where they're getting better for this, and this is going to, they're now at least, because every NBA team is essentially going to have an affiliate once they finish up this G League expansion, I think it gives you the opportunity to have what you have in hockey with the AHL, what you have in baseball with farm systems. Teams are now going to have farm system basketball teams, essentially. Yeah. So at least there will be a brand identity to go with it. And you might have more of an interest in watching the Washington or the Capital City Go Go, which yeah. is what the DC team is going to be when it launches. You going to cover them, George? Sure. <laughs> Give me some tickets, man. There's going to be I'll more go interest in the Cap City Go Go if you're a Wizards fan, knowing that hey, like these are the potential quick fixes we have when guys go down to injury, who we're going to be able to bring up, right. as opposed to you know. If you're a Wizards fan, why are you going to watch the main Red Claws play, the Sioux Falls, whoever, if you don't even have any idea of where you might pull one of your players right, from right. if you pulled a D-League player? So the brand identity, I think, will help with actually putting some butts in the seats going forward. I think people will go. I think people will watch it. It'll be more inexpensive. Here? Yeah. yeah. But you're, when you start to put them in bigger markets, and you're not talking about Sioux Falls and the Bakersfield Jam and yeah. you know the main Red Claws, when you start to put them in major cities, that'll definitely pick it up. I'm sure people will go to. I'll go to see the Capital City Go Go if they put a team in New York, L.A., Philly, Boston. People will go, you mm-hmm. know, to, to to see these teams. But they've been put in such. She says, "Is it should be a cheaper vert?" I mean. Yeah, but, but see, but you're in a bigger venue. You know, they've been putting these teams in such obscure places yeah. that don't have, it's very, sm- like the smallest of the small market. It, it's like 10 times smaller than Sacramento or some of those other small market teams. Mm-hmm. And it, people just don't show up. But when you start to put it in a bigger market, I mean, a lot of people around here did not n- watch or attend arena football league games but when you have the valor and the brigade people show up you know people have shown up when you put the 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 valor in the capital one center people have shown up 
So when you put those... The first night was great. I didn't go back after that, but the first night was great. <laughs> Everybody I, wanted I, I to looked, just kind of satisfy their curiosity. About 15,000 people. Yeah, I looked at it, and the seats, I thought the seats were going to be cheaper than what it was mm-hmm. for an arena football league. I, I wanted the football. I want to sit up front where they throw the footballs out, and I can That's right. leave about five footballs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you take the G League now, it's very hard for me to say, I'm just saying D League, and you put it in bigger cities and larger markets... You know, more people will come, more people will watch. So I think that's that's an answer to it also. George, will uh, people be coming to FedEx Field on Christmas no. Eve to watch them play the Denver you Broncos? Said, family and friends. Said, I heard you earlier. Family and friends only. And, Kirk and, and me. La- and Dimitri. I decided to go because it's the last time I think we're going to see, <laughs> you may see number eight. Cousins. Yeah. Uh, I, got I, I know he has the, the New Year's Eve auditioning game, for his brand that, new That's team, what I'm saying. I, second oh. audition in, in, in a row. I got a friend that's got, got tickets and I'm like, yeah. One of my friends said that. Know. One of my friends texted me. He said, oh, you know, you, you hear and, and you've heard some people say the Broncos are really gearing up to go after him. Uh, cousins, you know, they, they, yeah, a couple of, and then Tyler Columbus mentioned this week also that he's well, hearing it, out there that they're, they're the Denver brass likes him. So one of my friends texted me and said, "I bet you they on strict orders do not hurt cousins." That's what I'm on saying. The defensive side. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't. I'm thinking as a prospective teammate, Von Miller may take it easy because mm-hmm. with to- no no uh, Williams, no Von Miller can let loose. He off. And I there's mean, nothing this, for these guys to prove. There's nothing. It, it isn't. But it's just it's there because no one else outside of uh, Trent Williams can do anything but Von Miller. And the problem is if you start letting up, as you know, like, you know, you say, well, they'll take it easy. But then again, if you start trying to scale it back, yeah. that's when you get hurt. I mean, you see in the preseason, these guys go half, you know, well, I don't, half I don't, speed. Not, well, but let's not say, well, I'm not, we're not saying that, you know, he's going to purposely, oh, you know, know, not sack him right now he might not you know body slam him but he'll definitely with a nice takedown yeah, nice takedown place him down nicely just to throw the opposite conspiracy theory into the ring here i mean what if the denver defense has decided heck no we don't want him leading our offense next year we don't think he's good enough <laughs> take, him out, take him out let's show our gm let's show elway how bad this guy is we're gonna kill him this week wow they have every opportunity opposite conspiracy i like that I, hey i agree it could go out of the way you don't it, know you just don't the know the end of the season there's nothing to play for throw out whatever conspiracy theory you have everything's in play right now Listen, Throughout the records when these two get together on Christmas Eve, too. Oh, geez. I'm not looking forward to it. I don't think anybody is. Yeah, anybody picking uh, Denver? I doubt it. I don't know. I, I think even I might pick the skins. This I don't year. know. It's, it's a flip of a coin. But no Trent Williams. Yeah. That's, that's where you have the advantage. It's that whose defense is going to take advantage of the other team's offense? I mean, I just think these guys are going to have no. They, they, no they you got the Broncos. The Broncos have a good defense. Broncos are going arguably no, a, no a part Super Bowl of being, caliber of playing. defense. It's going to be cold. They're traveling. I mean, it's going to be. They're, Listen, play, please don't say it's going to be cold. You're talking about the Denver Broncos. Oh, this true. ain't cold to them. <laughs> that's true. This is springtime to them. I know, but it's Christmas Eve. They figure, well, you figure, you know what? You get on a plane, come all this way. Maybe you might as well play. But you're, we'll not, you're not giving these professional athletes any sort of. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just, I just just I'm because just, you're going to mail it in doesn't mean they're going to mail I'm it in. I'm just saying. You well, you're not going to get any that bad as Blaine Gabbert last week. No, Whew. but it, it back to the it's it depends on which defense plays the most and can cause turnovers and put their team in the best position to win. Redskins defense defensive line played outstanding last week. That's the only reason why it won that game. The offense didn't show up. 
until you know later on. Yeah, in I the think game. the defense. I think they'll show up. I think these guys want to get to eight and eight. I really do. Well, uh, you know what? If you get and I've said this before, when you if you get to eight and eight with all of these people on IR that you've had, yeah. And somebody said it's going to be twenty. I thought they were 20. over twenty. I saw that too. I thought it was over twenty, but Trent. Someone said Trent was number twenty. I thought well, maybe because Hopkins came back. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Hopkins. Okay. Any chance that Cousins uh, gets the third franchise tag and they're paying him thirty-four million uh, to stay? I hope listen, not. I think anything is in play with this team. But yeah. if they do that, it's knowing, Listen, because if they do that, knowing that he's not going to sign a long-term deal, you're basically throwing away thirty-four million dollars. Exactly. And, and for him to next year just walk because you can't can't franchise him again. And you only have sixty to sixty-four in cap room, so you're cutting and you're half not, of your budget yeah. to give to get other players. Mind you, because you're going to need a lot. Of, this is going to be an overhaul. Have this team is yeah. on a one-year deal, right? So you're there's basically going to pay a him. lot of free agents to, be, to to have to deal with and replace. Yeah. And cutting your cap in half is not the way to go about doing it. If they do Not that, for one guy. this place, this town's going to go ape, you know what. So who, who's the quarterback next year? Here, you want my, y- my young guy? Here's uh, my, young guy here, from the draft? Here's my, here's, here's my scenario. Here we go. I think, what do you mean here we go? Because Here we go. <laughs> I You've think, been saying that he's going to be out of here, so let's say who, who's coming in. Let's go. I think, I think you're going to start the season with Colt McCoy, hey. and then you're going to draft somebody, and then they'll be ready to play. Mid-season? Uh, yep. Or, yep. I wish people would stop with the Colt McCoy. Jay thinks he can win with Colt McCoy. That makes me look at Jay but even more funny. But here's the thing, though. Next year, with you, you're going to have a whole overhaul on this roster. Nope, you're not going to win the Super Bowl next year. So you might as well. Might as well what? Play you Colt might McCoy? as well play Colt McCoy. No, you or don't have to play are you Colt McCoy. Pay, who are you going to pay? Case Keenum? You're going to pay Alex I'm Smith? You're going to pay Case Keenum. Who are you going to pay? I don't have to pay anybody. Draft somebody. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you're not going to draft him and start him right away? Why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's it's in play. I'm just Why saying not? we've it, done it, that it, before. <laughs> well, we've done it before, but it it works sometimes. We yeah. we've gotten to the point now that it, it's going back full circle. Before you would draft a quarterback, he sits, learns. <laughs> then you got we got to the point where you draft a quarterback, and when you set him, people looking at you, he's supposed to play. He's the first. Well, so, I, so you, you can argue him. when you buy when you draft Griffin number two, you got to start him. I get that. Well, I, this if you if you take Wentz started if you take Baker, Goff didn't start actually right Deshaun Watson did he start right away or did Savage start a game or did he beat him out already Savage played a half is the starting okay. quarterback that was it one half yeah and then it was Deshaun Watson yeah. show from there Russell Wilson so it can be done we've got we go back and forth with you know do they sit do they whatever I'm not would you take Baker. He's interesting. I want to see. He has said he's going to be in the in the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I, saw I want that. to see what he does, not just in the game, but through the week. Yeah, the interview process, yeah, yeah, the sure. practices. I want to see all of that. You're not sure he's a spread quarterback. I don't know how pro ready he is. Mm-hmm. He's got that manzellish sort of yeah. you know way about him that you're not necessarily sure what you're going to get character wise. I think whoever takes him is going to be totally convinced. That he's not a jackass. Uh-huh. I get you. So if we do that, this this is not this we can say that. No, no, I wasn't reacting <laughs> to the language. I was perhaps gonna like, use the F word or even the C word at some point. <laughs> no. I ha- haven't haven't done so. I was gonna to say the, something to else, but but you know, I'll say jackass. I was gonna say use another adjective form. But they would have to be totally convinced that that is not him and he's not gonna have those sort of outbursts uh-huh. grabbing the crotch and cussing the you know, across the field and all that. Because college, okay, you get 
with that, but these are professional grown men. You start doing that. Somebody's gonna knock your head off. Open up on, on, on a continuous yeah. basis. Right. You're gonna you're gonna what does Shaq used to say? They're gonna touch you up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna yeah, get yeah, touched yeah. up a little bit. But I think you you I wanna see how he is on the center. I used to think that Lamar could not come and play here mm-hmm. because I thought that naively that he was very similar to RG three and that if Gruden couldn't oh, coach RG Yeah. Jackson. If if Gruden couldn't coach RG three, he can't coach Jackson. Mm-hmm. Jackson has played on the center for this past entire season. Yeah. He's improved his accuracy. He's got a cannon for arm, and then when he gets on the run, he's a wizard in the open field. So with that, if you can't coach that, I think something's wrong with the coach. See, I think he I think I think maybe maybe Robert's demeanor and his ego played into it. I think that and, and he, he might have been uncoachable from for the from and that. Keep standpoint. in mind too, his brother was John was, I think, a part of that, right? Gruden, as far as you what know, you they, as far as feeding him cousins, you know, Gruden loved cousins coming out. I remember right, they right, did the right. whole quarterback thing, and he didn't like Griffin, and you know. Well, can't. I mean, but but and the and was, didn't like Griffin either. That's true. He didn't want maybe, and maybe it was you know Gruden, John saying something like, "Well, you know, your first job, you're not gonna, you don't want to tie yourself to to Griffin." I mean, you know, but there was a lot that went in that because he came yeah. here thinking. That, I mean, I was told he came here though he had to coach Griffin, but that yeah. you know, and he finally it took him how long to convince everybody that he can't do it. Well, see, and that's the thing now. Um, if you do have to bring in a new quarterback or draft the quarterback, who really makes the decision? How much is Jay playing that decision, knowing that he doesn't, he's not necessarily locked up long term? I think here. if Jay stays, he's got a little bit of extension, but does <clears throat> Bruce make that? Decision based on this is who I like going forward, no matter who the coach is. I tell you or what, are man. we picking a coach for Jay to 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 cultivate? I think you have to do that because I think Jay gets along with Doug, who's I think is going to part of this. Bruce, I mean, I don't. No one knows what exactly Doug yeah, does. Yeah, but here's him. the thing: Bruce is getting so much heat. I don't think you're going to let Bruce make these decisions. Also, Gruden is supposed to be a quarterback, and expert, they and right? and it's and this is true. Supposedly. Like they have. No, but it is true. I have heard they do. Jay has a lot of say in personnel because of the way he has. I mean, he, he's his hands are on this. I think more than we think. I don't. That could very well be true. But in this, I think Jay sits back there. So you know what, Colt, Kirk, you want thirty five? Get the hell out of here. I coach Colt. I'll get Colt McCoy. <laughs> in this this veil that's over the GM of which we do not have, or whatever this conglomerate is that they have with. Uh, Gruden and, and Doug Williams and Scott Campbell and whoever else they got in the room because nobody nobody knows who does what because nobody has a GM title. Nobody, I don't know what goes on in there. So Jay could have a, a, a big say in it. I have no idea. I don't know what he does. I don't know what Doug does. I don't know. All I know is final say when they leave that room, Allen's got to put his stamp on it. Yeah. That's the bottom line. He's got to put a stamp on it. I guess the question I would ask about I guess this situation, though, is if you are talking about the type of overhaul you're talking about, why are you spending a first-round pick on quarterback? I feel like, is aren't you better suited if you have to rebuild the whole roster to some extent, or half the roster, like you're talking about, just building the roster? And especially if Jay is confident that, hey, we can we can have a serviceable year with Colt McCoy you would put it on the back burner or by putting it on the back burner the third or fourth round of the draft. I think because this draft is quarterback heavy. It, yeah, it's very and, deep. And, and you think, don't have to go first round. And that's why you can't pay Kirk 
knowing he's going to be one and done if you franchise. If you're going to pay him $34 million, knowing how much you need to put into the rest of the roster, and yeah. then next year you're going to need a quarterback. If, if Bruce does that, watch out. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Who knows what he's gonna do? Because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing any goddamn way. But um, you don't have to go first round with a quarterback. And we like we talked about before. If you have uh, Bryce Love, Saquon Barkley, who will probably be long gone, but Bryce Love, Vetivia, uh defensive lineman from Washington. Uh, you know, if you got a top running back, a, a, a top defensive uh, lineman in safety, stud linebacker, go there. If they're there at 14, take them. Because not only this draft is running back heavy, mm-hmm. it's quarterback heavy. Right. You can come out with a gym in the second, third, fourth. You if know. Barkley's there, you take him, right? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. If he's there, if he's there, then something is something has happened. A miss. It's it's a it's a it's a uh it's an Allen sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Because we weren't supposed to get him at 17 last no. year. There was no way in hell he was supposed to be there at 17. But somehow Jonathan Allen trickled down to 17. And we're thankful that he was there. Mm-hmm. So if Barkley is there at 14, there's some sort of red flag that has led him all the way down to 14. Yeah. If he's not top five, that's a surprise in itself. Bryce Love could be there. You know, Vetivia could be there. And I haven't gotten totally into my quote-unquote scouting thing so far, me and my YouTube breakdowns and trying to get into <laughs> who all these people are. Oh, I haven't got boy. there just yet. Film so break, I, scouting breakdown with Jamal on Friday. <laughs> I like it. I Sounds like a it. new you segment. Know, when I get, I, Leading when up the to the season, draft. When the season's over, I've been doing it for a couple years and I've turned into a bit of a, a draft geek. Steve Shoup has the um, on the clock and you can do your draft with, with whatever team you want, your favorite team. And for the extra, you can pay $5 and my geeky self, I right. My draft geek comes out, and I pay my five dollars. I can make trades and all, that. but it helps me get to know, you know, some of these players. And some of these players, I'll draft, and if I'm not familiar with them, I'll go to YouTube or whatever I can find online to right. actually watch them. And it, it's a tool that helps me get to know. And by the by, the time the draft comes along, I'm pretty well versed in 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 most of the players that that's going to be out there, but. You know, I don't know that guy, but that's a you know that's a plug, I guess. Yeah, for somebody I don't know. So, right. what's the bottom line then? Uh, Wizards going strong, uh, sloppy game maybe on uh, on Sunday, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. between the Broncos and Skins, and what I, else? And, and it, a totally revamped Redskins team next year. That's the other thing. What's what's the deal with P Ryan? Because who's running the ball on Sunday? Bibbs. Is if, it the Capri Bibbs no, show? It, well, P Ryan's still questionable, but if not, it's Bibbs. So. LaShawn Daniels broke his hand feeling a kickoff in practice. That's what I was saying. So who You can't make this stuff up. How is he the only running back left? Bibbs. That's and it. P. Ryan, that's it. That's wow. it. There you go. Why do why do we not have any more on How the many practice squad? They have nobody left. Practice They're waiting squad. for you to sign up. Jeez, I know. <laughs> God, I, not I, me. Practice squad? Well, they've used seven practice squad guys. I don't know. Has D'Angelo Williams lost his phone? Why can't why nobody <laughs> sign D'Angelo Williams? <laughs> I don't know. By this time, you lost all all of these running backs we've lost. And you got down to, I know, Capri, Capri Bibbs uh, caught a touchdown last week. And I was probably one of the very few people that knew who he was. And the fact that... That was a good move on the, that, on the uh, screen, too. Well, but that's what he does. I know. When he's been in, in Denver and on the practice squad, that's his thing. That's what he does. So I expected that from him. But you don't even mm-hmm. just... 
Say hey, D'Angelo. How you? You been working out? How hey, you feel? How are you? Happy holidays. How, yeah, happy holidays. How you feel? <laughs> you want to play you, Sunday? You, been, you know, you still in shape? Can you run right, run left? That's D'Angelo Williams. Why? I don't care how old he is. He can still run. But you know, that's that's neither here nor there. That's me venting at the last minute. I hope you guys have a good holiday weekend. Same to you. Merry you Christmas. Too, Thank you. And happy you holidays to everyone. And Brian Alvin, the special guest, thanks for being so generous with your time here. He's host of Wizards Radio 24-7. I think has us all feeling a lot better about the Wiz. Not that we were down no. on the team, but uh, you you worry that they fall into the same cycle as the other pro teams, especially right. Caps and Nats, you know. Pretty decent regular season, and then who knows what happens. I think you'll see them where they've been three of the last four years. You'll see them in the second round, mm. and it's just a matter of who is the matchup against and what happens from there. And where can people Makes follow sense. you on social media? And 20, so, what is 20, what is yeah, 24/7? Wizards Radio 24-7. You can find it either on the Wizards app, or if you just type into your web browser, www.wizardsradio247.com. Uh, it's really myself, Dave Johnson, Glenn Consor. We do a whole bunch of Good feature group. pieces. We have interviews uh, with players. You'll get essentially all the post-game reaction after every game. You'll get a bunch of pre-game lead-up. And then just some fun feature pieces. Right now, we actually, just yesterday, I finished up a feature piece. Last time the Wizards played on Christmas, a few years ago, uh, they played in New York. I did a game recap with a nice little poem and some Christmas music <laughs> in the background. So if you're feeling festive, that'll maybe get you in the mood for Monday night's game. There that was when Wall got into it with the... Uh, yes, big, I... Uh, big fella, what's his name? Quincy AC. Quincy yeah, Quincy I bet that's AC. in the poem. That is in there. Okay. And uh, I think you can figure out what the music was for Quincy AC. <laughs> Love it. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP.com. Search podcast or just go to the WTOP mobile app and tap listen. Follow us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round One. For Brian and Jamal and George, I'm Dimitri. Go Skins, go Wiz, go Caps, and God help us.